the medicine, I'm on the pavement, thinking about the government. The man in a trench coat, batch out, laid off, says he's got a bad cough, wants to get it paid off. Look out, kid, it's something you did. God knows when, but you're doing it again. You better duck down the alleyway, looking for a new friend. The man in a coonskin cap in a pig pen wants $11 bills. You Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 124 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is a review of the False Claims Act for 2019. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. And before we get started, two points. First, please subscribe to our podcast and give the podcast a five-star rating. Second, today's episode is sponsored by Bureau Van Dyke. Today's podcast episode of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance is sponsored by Bureau Van Dyke, a Moody's analytics company. With information on more than 360 million companies, Bureau Van Dyke is the resource for company data, and they make it simple to compare companies internationally. Their flagship product, Orbis, is used to find, analyze, and compare companies worldwide for better decision-making and increased efficiency. Bureau Van Dyke recently announced its new Compliance Catalyst, which is a data-driven decision engine and risk management platform. Powered by Orbis, new Compliance Catalyst is a game-changer because nothing else combines data, technology, and people power into a single platform. Compliance Catalyst can streamline your KYC, AML, and anti-corruption research and make your client onboarding and customer due diligence process more reliable and efficient. Compliance Catalyst offers several unique advantages, including an integrated platform that combines your data, entity data from Bureau Van Dyke, and flexible due diligence screening, automated and enhanced, instant risk preview, and screening against watch lists and adverse media in seconds, customized dashboard, risk profiles and thresholds, screening and monitoring settings. As part of the Compliance Catalyst platform, several effective modules are provided, including AI-powered adverse media searches and reviews, shareholder power analyses, entity verification and resolution, and integrated enhanced due diligence services. If interested in a demo of the new Compliance Catalyst platform, please contact Bureau Van Dyke at americas at vdinfo.com or call 1-212-797-3550. Well, continuing in our uh, annual reviews, um, I thought we'd take a look at the False Claims Act uh, for 2019. Uh, The Department of Justice uh, has been pretty aggressive, obviously, in in this year. Uh, And uh, DOJ, in the beginning of 2020, released its fraud statistics and basically showed that uh, they had recovered more than $3 billion that's billion with a B, as I always say, uh, uh, for the year under the False Claims Act. Um, and this was fiscal year 2019. Um, and in uh, and what I'd like to do is sort of review some of the trends in the sector analysis uh, with regard to this. Um, this is not surprising, you know, that they've come in at $3 billion. Um, they frankly have been coming in, uh, they've come in at higher amounts uh, before, uh, but the healthcare sector basically remains the top driver of False Claims Act activity. 
um, in terms of the number of new matters opened, total dollars recovered, particularly for the last uh, decade as well. Um, the number of new matters opened, however, which had fallen for the last two years, uh, ticked back up slightly in 2019. And as usual, private individuals known as KETAM relators uh, continue to initiate the bulk of those. Relators instituted 84% uh, of the new matters in 2018 and 81% of the new matters in 2019. So all uh, individuals and companies that do business with the federal government have to be careful about the False Claims Act. Um, and the government statistics, they like to divide it between Health and Human Services, Department of Defense, and other. So let's try to break it down like that. Of the more than $3 billion in settlements and judgments recovered by DOJ, uh, almost $2.6 billion related to ma matters involving the healthcare industry, including drug and medical device manufacturers, managed care providers, hospitals, pharmacies, hospice or organizations, laboratories, and physicians. Um, one big uh, settlement was DOJ obtained uh, $1.4 billion of that $2.6 billion from uh, Reckitt Banksler Group, um, which was in the uh, opioid addiction treatment drug uh, Suboxone. Um, and that was a pretty big, uh, hefty uh, recovery. But total healthcare recoveries uh, this year are consistent with prior years since 2010, basically. DOJ's civil healthcare fraud settlements and judgments have exceeded $2 billion annually. Um, and in 2018, uh, looking at Department of Defense recoveries, they accounted for 4% of the total annual recoveries. In 2019, DOD recoveries accounted for 8% of the total annual recoveries. Um, so DOD usually takes a chunk, but it's healthcare that drives this. Uh, and the other category usually um, captures financial uh, settlements, uh, for example, uh, mortgage crisis settlements. Uh, and there were big years that the government had in 2012, 2014, and 2016 when they recovered lots and lots of money from banks related to alleged mortgage fraud uh, under the False Claims Act. So that's why um, the other category will go up in those years, uh, but generally uh, stays pretty small, uh, except for uh, whereas healthcare remains pretty much pretty constant uh, in that. So again, in 2019, healthcare was 85%, DOD was 8, other was 7. In 2018, uh, healthcare was 87%, DOD was 4% uh, smaller, and other was 9%. So that's a general feel uh, for the recoveries and by sector. Uh, I mentioned new matters. Um, they're pretty constant. New matters are usually, you know, 62% or 65% are HHS. DOD are smaller, less than 10%, and others are usually uh, less than 30 So, um, and, you know, really the, the only surprise, I think, in sort of the sector analysis is that uh, the recoveries have stayed so consistent and the DOD recoveries have not been larger. I, 
I don't know why that is. Uh, I would think that DOD with obviously Afghanistan uh, and Iraq and uh, medical, I mean, in health uh, defense spending uh, on the rise that you would see some increase in that. But um, we'll have to see as that uh, goes forward. Whistleblowers. So last year, uh, we predicted that individual and plaintiff's bar will basically continue to push False Claims Act enforcement. Um, and they, they really do push and are available and are there for whistleblowers. So in 2019, whistleblowers accounted for more than $2.2 billion of the government's total recoveries. Uh, whistleblower claims comprise 72% of the government's uh, 2019 recoveries compared to 74% of 2018 recoveries. And uh, private individuals known as KETAM relators continue to initiate most new matters. Uh, and I mentioned that up front. Uh, the number of lawsuits filed under the KETAM provisions has grown significantly since 1986 uh, with uh, this past year, 636 KETAM suits filed, and that's an average of more than 12 new cases every week or almost two a day. Um, so relator filings are going, you know, continuing to grow and I think will continue to grow given the financial payoff and the access to attorneys uh, that are readily available for these types of, uh, types of cases. And if you look at the trend, uh, you know, key TAM matters are just uh, over the last, you know, 30 years uh, are just growing. They always are increasing almost every year uh, in terms of a portion of um, uh, False Claims Act recoveries. Um, although whistleblowers initiate the vast majority of the FCA cases, False Claims Act cases, and recoveries in uh, key TAM cases, uh, one thing is certain, the government recovers far more from KETAM cases in which it intervenes. In fact, recoveries in action where the government does not intervene have never exceeded 17% of total annual recoveries, which was in 2017. So that means uh, the most crucial phase, and you've probably heard me talk about this, is whether or not the government decides to intervene in a particular KETAM case uh, brought by per, uh, an individual. That's like the make or break of the case, uh, oftentimes, because the ability of the whistleblower to recover on his or her own is uh, pretty low. The odds are pretty low. So whistleblowers obviously can receive up to 30% of any recovery. And uh, since 1987, whistleblowers have received approximately $7.5 in relator share awards, uh, but Relator Share Awards have been trending downward since 2016. In 2019, for example, Relators received approximately $272 million in awards, and this figure is down significantly from 2018, and it's the lowest number since uh, 2009. So I don't know what the reason for that is. It may be that uh, they're winning less uh, or getting less of sort of the pot of money from the government. Um, but, you know, it, it oftentimes turns on the government sort of uh, taking a, a, a recovery and designating a portion of it uh, for the uh, intervener, uh, I mean, for the uh, relator. Um, 
So whistleblowers initiate far more actions than the government. Uh, the whistleblower actions account for the largest portion. Um, uh, the government, though, uh, has been increasing its proactive pursuit of uh, False Claims Act violations. In fact, in 2019, the government opened 146 new matters on its own. So it wasn't dependent upon a relator to bring the case to their attention and then they intervened. The government actually opened new matters on its own or an average of nearly three cases a week. So that's a pretty good overview of the cases, the statistics. Now, what happened? Uh, let's talk about some sort of policy changes and looking back on DOJ and what happened this uh, this uh, this past year. Uh, and then there's a couple of appellate court cases that I want to mention to you as well. Um, so when you look at it, uh, in May 2019, DOJ released guidance uh, regarding cooperation credit and False Claims Act investigations. So that means if you're the subject uh, of a... Uh, investigation, you can actually get cooperation credit. And uh, DOJ announced this policy, uh, incorporated it into the justice manual, um, and they also will consider the uh, extent of an effective compliance program that you have at the time of the violation. Uh, and uh, this all was part of the corporate compliance programs, uh, the corporate enforcement program, and there was obviously uh, a corporate enforcement program uh, application to False Claims Act cases. So we've uh, we've published notes, uh, postings on our blog about this, so you can always uh, read about that as well. Um, and uh, in October of 2019, um, the head of the criminal division, Brian Benchkowski, announced the new guidelines for uh, providing an analytical framework for evaluating assertions by a business organization that it can't afford to pay a criminal fine or monetary penalty. And uh, so this inability to pay uh, cases that may come up, um, there's now a new policy uh, adopted with regard to that. Another big development was when uh, uh, U.S. Housing and Urban Development and the Justice Department entered into a memorandum of understanding on guidance on the appropriate use of the FCA for violations of the Federal Housing Administration lenders. Um, here, what they're trying to get at is um, the, the use of the False Claims Act in connection with uh, lending that's done through this program and uh, where there can be sort of uh, found to be uh, False Claims Act cases that can be generated through this. Uh, and this is actually, it, it starts with sort of an administrative proceeding at HUD, and then HUD uses its Mortgage Review Board to review and refer then False Claims Act claim, claims to the Justice Department. Okay, um, let's see. We also had a new memo that was called the Granston Memo, and uh, the Granston Memo uh, was actually implemented last year or announced last year, and it directs prosecutors to consider dismissing cases filed under the False Claims Act KETAM provisions when it furthers one or more policy goals. Uh, there was a lot of political blowback from Senator Grassley and others about this uh, and how they were the Justice Department was going to intervene in cases to dismiss the relator's case. 
Um, and uh, there was a concern from Grassley that there could be uh, discouragement of whistleblowers to con- come forward. Uh, so far, DOJ uh, has only moved to dim- dismiss only 45 out of 1,170 key TAM actions uh, in the last uh, two years. So uh, that's less than 4%. And uh, so they've exercised their dismissal authority judiciously, uh, is what they're claiming. So um, now we have, uh, in, t- in 2020, we also had... Uh, the announcement of, uh, or actually the end of 2019, we had an announcement of a focus in 2020 on the formation of the new Procurement Collusion Strike Force. Uh, this is the Antitrust Division and, uh, and the uh, Civil Fraud Unit getting together uh, to focus on schemes that undermine competition in government p- procurement, grant, and program funding. Uh, They set up a new online tip center where people can report suspected criminal activity affecting public procurement. Uh, So this is going to be something where you may see DOD's numbers go up, but at least the antitrust division is getting involved to try to get at government bid rigging, bid rigging against the uh, federal government. Um, The Supreme Court weighed in on one False Claims Act case in 2019, in a unanimous decision, the Supreme Court resolved a circle circuit split whether Ketam relators could take advantage of a statute of limitations tolling provision under 31 U.S.C. 3731b2, uh, which provides that an action may be brought within three years of discovery and within 10 years of the last violation in cases where the government has declined intervention. The Supreme Court held, yes, the tolling provision applies regardless of whether the government intervenes and the relator in such a case would be considered the official of the United States charged with responsibility to act in the circumstances. As a result, uh, providing re- uh, a result of this decision, um, providing relators with a longer time to file, perhaps up to four years longer, there may be some uh, other cases that will survive dismissal uh, now. Uh, The federal courts of appeals and several district courts actually grappled with a number of interesting issues. Um, uh, The First Circuit uh, determined, for example, that the first-to-file bar is not jurisdictional, contributing to a circuit split. And uh, the Supreme Court denied a petition for writ of certiorari in a case that might have resolved that split. split. Uh, (coughs) In March of 2019, uh, the Fourth, fourth Circuit uh, held that when the government declines uh, uh, to intervene um, in a QTAM action, the government cannot be considered to have been a party to the suit with a full and fair opportunity to litigate the matter for collateral estoppel purposes as it relates to a criminal proceeding based on the same uh, misconduct. The more, the more interesting issue that I try to watch over is the Escobar issue and the materiality requirement. And the Third and Fifth Circuits uh, dealt with the issue of materiality following uh, the Supreme Court's uh, decision in Escobar, which is in 2016, and eventually is going to get back up with uh, the Supreme Court at some point. Um, Lower courts continue to sort of grapple with pleading requirements and the application of Rule 9b in FCA cases. In one case, the defendants argued that the relators did not see the actual Medicare bills and thus could not sufficiently allege the falsity of any claims for payment. 
The district court agreed, and the Eighth Circuit affirmed, and the Supreme Court then denied a writ of certiorari uh, with regard to that. So all in all, it's been a pretty active year in the False Claims Act realm, and we're fairly certain 2020 is going to be equally as dynamic. Uh, We'll continue to monitor this area and blog uh, and podcast about important developments. And as always, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact anyone of us. And you can always reach me at mvolkoff at volkoffblog.com. Watch your parking meter. Oh, get born, keep on short pants, romance. Learn to dance, get dressed, get blessed. Tired of these success. Please her, please him. Buy gifts, don't steal, don't lift. Twenty years of schooling and they put you on the day shift. Look out, kid, they keep it all hit. Better jump down a manhole, light yourself a candle. Don't wear sandals, try to forge the scandals. Don't wanna be a bum, you better chew gum The pump don't work, cause the vandals took the handle